0: It's so exciting that we're finishing the Beatitudes today after like three months of being in the Beatitudes. Uh, Matthew 5. All right, Matthew 5, um, 10 through 12. I'll go ahead and read it for us. Um, so the Beatitudes are all characteristics of someone who follows Jesus, right? And they all build upon one another. So we started with porn spirit and then the mourning over your sin and meekness and all that stuff. And like, we, we've seen how they all build and they're all imitating Jesus who is God in the flesh and their characteristic, that's characteristics that he displayed perfectly and now we are called to also display those as well. Um, so it's crazy that all along they've been things that we like are kind of nice. It's like okay, it's nice to be meek and humble and to want what's good, um, and to be a peacemaker. And now it's saying, now you are blessed if you're persecuted. And so it's kind of like a curveball where it's like okay, I could have like done all these things before, like blessed, like blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the merciful. Like okay, that seems like doable. But blessed are the persecuted. Like, how can I be happy? How can I be deeply joyful if I'm being persecuted, if I'm being hated, if my friends turn against me, if people leave me, if my family doesn't like me? Um, How can I still be happy when that's happening to me? And Jesus is saying here that blessed are those who that happens to. They are the happiest um, because he's the one that supplies and he's the one that carries them through that and works his glory through them. So this beatitude, I think it's so interesting that it says, that Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted. For righteousness sake so those who are being persecuted are being persecuted because they're displaying all these beatitudes that come before um so when we think of like a good person you would think that most people would like a good person right you would like someone that's merciful someone that's pure in heart um someone that's humble and meek um but this like but this scripture tells us that the world is actually going to hate that person um so why do you guys think the world would hate righteousness why would it persecute righteousness question makes sense i
1: think like perhaps it's just because they see it and <clears throat> it's like contrary to like what they believe about the world and it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: righteousness like opposes sin and maybe to them sin is correct so they just oppose it mm-hmm.
0: yeah mm-hmm. they're living completely opposite mm-hmm. so of course they would hate it if it's like not even what they're living mm-hmm. yeah why else would the world hate what is good
2: I think sometimes people see it as like as Christians are being too judgmental yeah like, if they're like trying to be good and you know trying to share what they think is right I think a lot of people see it as
0: like, Judgment. like being judgmental. yeah like if you don't 100% agree with me you're judging me yeah for sure yeah yeah, it's just so crazy because when I look at these characteristics of someone who follows Jesus, I'm like, I want to be friends with this person. They, like, they're like, they going to be merciful. They're pure in heart. They're a peacemaker. Um, they are aware that they're spiritually depraved. They're meek. They're hungering and thirsting for what is good. And I'm like, I want to be friends with that person, but not everyone in the world wants to be friends with that person because not everyone in the world is pursuing righteousness. Um, So like Elise said, the the world is totally opposite to what Jesus calls us to, right? All these beatitudes are totally opposite than what the world um, displays and what sin is. Um, So that's why Jesus had to come, right? Because we're sinners and we need to be saved and we need a heart transplant. um, A heart that wants to do all these things. Um, And the people that don't have that new heart, they're just not going to get it, and they're going to turn against you more than they're going to be on your side. Um, So I found this really cool quote by John Piper, which I think really explains why you're going to be persecuted if you pursue a life after Christ. Um, So it's John Piper lingo, so there's a lot of big words. Um, um, So he says, if you cherish chastity, your life will be on attack on people's love for free sex. If you embrace temperance, your life will be a statement against the love of alcohol. If you pursue self-control, your life will indict excessive eating. If you live simply and happily, you will show the folly of luxury. If you walk humbly with your God, you will expose the evil of pride. If you are punctual and thorough in your dealings, you will lay open the inferiority of laziness and negligence. If you speak with compassion, you will throw callousness into a sharp relief. If you are earnest, you will make the flippant look, Instead of clever. If you are spiritually minded, you will expose the worldly mindedness of those around you. Um, so basically, what he's saying is these: if you're if you're chasing after the things of the Lord, um, so if you're trying to walk humbly with God, your life is going to reflect the pride of others, simply because you're being humble, not because you're calling out the pride in them, and they're not going to like that because it just it just probably irks them the wrong way. Um, Or if you're pursuing compassion and you're going to have compassion on someone that no one understands why you're having compassion on them, they're going to get mad at you probably. But you're following what the Lord has told you to do by being merciful. Um, So it's like, you know, pretty self-explanatory. But I thought that was a really great um, quote from him. Um, So how do we know that the world is going to hate what Christians believe, what they do, what they stand for? How do we know that?
1: I think the first reason, like how we know, is because it says in the Bible and that's mm. what Jesus said, yeah. and if it's in the Bible, then we know that's the truth, That people are going to like disagree with it, um, but also it just kind of makes sense that yeah. people would disagree with it because their sin causes them to like, repel God and everything righteous. And mm. I mean, same still goes for us. Like sometimes if we're, if I'm like so deep in my sin, like I repel everything that like God says mm. to me, and I just call it like a lie or something. Um but yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like how you said that repel. <laughs> I like that word. Mm-hmm. It's just like you kind of don't you don't receive it. Yeah. You just have a harder heart towards it. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to be on attack mode. I know like before I like before like the Lord softened my heart, even now like whenever I am like living in sin and I don't want to change, um I definitely like ignore the things of God and sometimes get very angry, um which I think is just kind of like a shows that there's still like worldliness inside of me um, that like needs to be sanctified out but um so yeah John 15 18 through 20 that's when Jesus says do not be surprised if the world hates you for it hated me first and so Jesus himself warns us that um don't be surprised when people don't like you when your family disagrees with you when your friends disown you because you stand for something that they don't stand for they hated me first um, Jesus was the most righteous, most kind, most compassionate, most amazing man to ever walk the, walk the earth. And people hated him to the point that they nailed him to the cross. And so we shouldn't be surprised when people don't like us for what we stand for. Um, so Jesus was the picture of the Beatitudes, right? He displayed them all perfectly. Um, he, Like I said, it was the most righteous man to ever live, and people still didn't like him. Um, and that's a tough pill to swallow because for me as a people pleaser, I'm like, okay, I want to be nice to everyone. And we're still called to be nice to everyone, right? We're supposed to love and have compassion, have mercy. Um, but what if you love, have compassion and mercy, and someone still hates you? It's like, okay, what can I get? What can I do to make them like me? I will not talk about the gospel if it makes them upset. I will just adhere to whatever they believe in so that they like me. Um, and I'm so guilty of that. Um, but avoiding persecution always isn't the best way um, to share the gospel. Um So yeah, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4, um, 17 through 18, and Paul wrote this to a church in Corinth, and Corinth was a super, super evil city, uh, lots of very corrupt things happening in Corinth. And this church is trying to function in this very corrupt city. And so my guess is, as I'm putting myself in their shoes, is that they're trying to pursue righteousness in a very evil city. And they are probably being spoken poorly of. They are probably being attacked. People probably don't like them. They don't understand them. And And they're going through a lot of persecution because they're trying to pursue good in a very evil environment. And evil... Hates good, so of course the people that aren't saved are going to hate the people that are saved. Um, So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4:17 through 18, this really encouraging um, statement. Elise, do you mind reading that for us? Uh, What's the verse again? 2 Corinthians 4:17 through
1: 18. Okay. Um, For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some of you are puffed up as though I am not coming to you.
0: Are you in Second Corinthians? I'm in 1 Corinthians. <laughs> 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 That's okay, I always do that. I always mix up my 1st and 2nd Corinthians. They should have given them different names. Yeah. I mean, technically they did, but I'm right, sorry. For, it.
1: Um, for the light of our affliction which is but for a moment is working for us far more exceedingly and exceeding and eternal way of glory while we do not look at the things which are seen but at the, at the things that are not seen Can you for the eternal things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are internal so awesome. like
0: oh you're good um so looking at this when i picture like persecution like if my friends turn against me american persecution if my friends turn against me and hate me Um, Paul tells me that that persecution compared to the internal weight of glory waiting for me is light. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, Like, the persecution, the trials, the suffering that we go through right now for our faith, it won't even matter when we get to heaven. Um, I love this comparison. It's completely opposite. The way that Paul describes our life right now, Um, on this part of heaven, this side of glory, earth, he says that this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. So light momentary um, are the two words that he uses to describe this present moment. And then weight and glory are the two words that he uses to describe what heaven's gonna be like. And it's just like this comparison of it's not even, (laughs) it's not even anything. Like we're gonna get to heaven and be like, Oh yeah, I don't even think about the fact that I went through so much suffering on earth. It doesn't even matter. This is amazing. I'm going to be here forever. And Jesus wiped every single one of my tears from my eyes. Um, and everything is made made good again. Um, and then in Matthew 19, I'll read this one for us. Matthew 19, 29 through 30. Um, so this is Jesus speaking um, just about the cost of following Jesus. And he says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But the many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Um, so these two verses, the Second Corinthians verse and then this verse here, how does how do these verses help us see... Um, how do, what do these verses tell us about our life here And our life in heaven What are some things that stand out to you Or how, will, how does it explain how our life in heaven Will be compared to our life on earth Well it
1: will be eternal <clears throat>
0: uh,
1: Compared to like everything
0: here Yeah it will be eternal It's momentary here. Yeah, what about what we lose on earth? Will it even matter, like, whatever we lose on earth because of our faith? Like, what? How can that be compared to what's waiting for us in heaven? No comparison? (laughs) No comparison. No comparison. Yeah, there's no comparison at all. Um, I don't know what a hundredfold means but you will receive a hundredfold. And he's saying that if you leave your brothers and your sisters and your mother and your father, so like your closest relationships, if even those get severed, even then what you receive in heaven will be better, Um, which is so weird to think about because when we think about the closest relationships to us, we think about those kind of people and you're like, I would never want that relationship to be broken or that would hurt me so much or maybe some of you have been through that already, but whatever's waiting for us in heaven is better than anything that we could get from this earth um so that's the wonderful truth and the hope that we can cling to because um, even though we might not be walking through persecution right now it might come and i know some of you live in houses with people that don't know the lord um, and so i'm sure you feel this tension of trying to decide okay when do i share the gospel when do i not share the gospel um are they going to be frustrated with me again um But the hope that we have is that whatever is waiting for us in heaven, whatever it looks like, we know that God is going to be there, that it's going to be the best thing ever. It's going to be what we were created to be for. um, And it's going to be so much better than any suffering and pain that we can go through on this earth. Um, So thinking about this, what do you think would be harder for you, losing a relationship over your faith or people speaking bad about you because of your faith? What would be harder
2: I'm not sure, both seem pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can, yeah. It depends on like what kind of relationship it is, like how close yeah. you are to the person Yeah. Like if it was a family member, probably that. Mm-hmm. And if it was like a close friend, probably that. But yeah. But if it was like someone I just met, mm.
0: then maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Have any of you guys ever like experienced tension in relationships because you're a believer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah yeah what what's that what's that like it's awkward awkward it's
2: very awkward awkward it's, yeah it's like you're walking what's the analogy like you're walking on eggshells all the time mm. yeah yeah, yeah i mean that's the only way i can describe it yeah You don't want to like offend them or push them away or, right yeah so you're always like very careful with what you're doing mm-hmm. and, like, you both know it too but you don't talk about it yeah and it's yeah. just like this awkward
1: it's like elephant. yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I like that you just said awkward, because it is, it's just awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I looked
2: up 100-fold and it says when you have one bunny and then you have 100 bunnies, that's an example of when the number of bunnies increased by
0: 100-fold. Oh. Okay. So, like,
2: multiply.
0: Oh, yeah. Cool. Huh. So, when we gain, when we lose...
2: Or like, a number
0: 100 times is great. Okay. So it's, like, 100 times better. Yeah. That's cool. That would make sense. That's why it says 100 mm-hmm. in it. Um, but, yeah, so often we and we often think about being persecuted as being tortured and hunted down and put in jail for our faith, which is a reality for so many of our, like, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and, like, we can – for me, it's so encouraging when I hear stories of, like, Christians being persecuted and being faithful, like – um, the stories that we've heard from Afghanistan this um, this year, um, so persecution is definitely going on. So when we think of verses like this, and we think of like the Beatitude that we just read, how do you think that is encouraging to Christians that are actually going through life and death circumstances? Gives them
2: something to look forward to.
0: Mm.
2: It's yeah. like it's the only thing that would hold me together if someone yeah. was actually like trying to kill me. Yeah, like, I get, like if they're gonna kill me, at least like I know I'm gonna gauge the
0: Yes, yeah. yeah Yeah, and you're probably just like repeating that over and over yeah. in your head Yeah I feel like it affirms their feelings too Yes Because what they're going through is for God Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they know that it's not for nothing
1: yeah.
0: yeah And then they also know that like Jesus prepared them for it Like he wasn't tricking them into something He was like, nope, this is how it is But I'm waiting for you on the other side Yeah yeah, I th- I think that out here in, in the West, we, I mean, we all know that our life is so different than a lot of other Christians' lives. Um, and we, the persecution we experience is very different. Um, so sometimes I like to take verses like that and think what it would be like for someone else in my, in different shoes than I am. Because um, who knows, maybe we'll be in their shoes one day and like, we don't know what's going to happen. It, anything could happen, really. Um, so... Flipping back to Matthew 5, Jesus says um, in verse, I think, 11... Yes, he says um, in verse 12, he says, rejoice and be glad when you are persecuted, Um, which is crazy to think about that. Like someone is speaking poorly of you, hunting you down, putting you in jail, and you're supposed to rejoice and be glad. Um, So the persecuted can leap for joy because they know what's in heaven for them. They know what's coming. Um, They have unshakable hope, unshakable joy because their eternity is unshakable and they know what's what's coming to them. Um, sorry, I'm making you guys flip around so much today. And I feel like I say that every week. Um, so 1 Peter 4. You guys don't have to flip there if you don't want to. I'll read it for us. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 14 through 16 says that if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. And let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Um, so Peter here, in, in what he's writing is saying that if you're gonna suffer, suffer well, suffer for Christ. Don't suffer, suffer as a sinner. Suffer for one who has been saved, and then you will be blessed. Um, so it's just it's just interesting to see so much overlap here. That those who do, uh, that are persecuted, will actually be blessed, even if they're not blessed in that very moment. The blessing is coming, and the blessing is in heaven, but also the blessing can be on here on earth. Because if you're watching someone walk through intense persecution and they stand their ground, as someone that's not a believer, you have to wonder what in the world is going on with them. Like they're be like they could be killed and yet they're not letting up on the gospel. Um, and so there's blessing on blessings on this earth too, because it's true that when the church is per- when the church is persecuted, it doesn't stop growing. It's under persecution that the church grows the most typically. Um, and so it all, and this verse also tells us that when we know Christ, we share in his life, right? We share in his life, and his resurrection, and we get the forgiveness that he offers. But because we're completely in him, we also must share in his suffering. And he suffered for us, so we have to also enter into that suffering, which is why we shouldn't be surprised when it comes. Um, so how do you guys think? Because, I I mean, I don't know, maybe some of you guys are in work situations where you really are being persecuted, or maybe you're in family situations where you're really being persecuted, Um, But for me, at least, um, I'm not being persecuted right now. Like, sometimes someone will say something mean, and that's not really anything, I mean, compared to other persecution. But how can we prepare for suffering um, if it's to come? How can we prepare now? I
2: think making sure you have people around you who Mm are program so you can get encouraged mm, yeah Um, to like keep going because like obviously like the bible is an encouragement to keep going but I do know sometimes it's just helpful
0: I have like another human yeah. there yeah yeah I think that's why like god made the church because it's like so encouraging to like anytime you walk through something walking through something with someone that understands is just like so therapeutic honestly it's like just like so comforting But when you're walking through it with the church, it's like, okay, these are my people and they understand. Yeah. How else can we prepare?
1: I think just by reminding ourselves of, like, the power of God and the power of the gospel.
2: Because
1: sometimes, like, for myself, I, like, always forget how, like, powerful God is in comparison to, like, my fears and in comparison to, like, persecution, Mm. um, but kind of like reinstating that and like realizing that god is more terrifying than that but he still loves me and he still cares for me and mm-hmm. he still died for me um just like remembering what the gospel like who the gospel is talking about like mm-hmm. it's not talking about some person who was imperfect who still died for you like it was somebody who was it was god who was terrifying and Perfect in every single way.
2: Yeah.
1: And just like, you have to like continually like remind yourself of that because like it's so hard to remember it, but I genuinely think like just continuing to like reiterate that in your head like every single hour is just like you have to do it. Yeah. Or else like you, you'll fail. Yeah. (laughs) Like I know that for myself. Like I always have to remind myself of that.
0: Yeah. 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 Remind yourself of just like the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's so easy to forget. I think what you said about. It's not just, like, some imperfect person that died for us. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's so nice of them. Yeah. Like, no, it was literally someone that was completely innocent, completely righteous. God himself died for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, like, so powerful to think about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, we have to, like, saturate our lives with the word of God and be in prayer and be in community. Like you said, Maddie, that's, like, one of the things that I wrote down was just, like, be plugged into your church. Like, surround yourself with people that get it that you can encourage and that can encourage you in times of discouragement, in times of suffering and persecution, whatever you're walking through. Um, and then also just thinking about how the Holy Spirit is inside of you, right? And so sometimes I think, okay, so what if someone like knocks on my door today and says like, if you're a Christian, I'm going to kill you. Will I back down from my faith? And I'm like, well, if I'm relying on my flesh, absolutely, because my flesh is weak. Um, but like the Scripture is so clear that in moments of persecution, like, the spirit will work in you if you let him. Um, I don't remember exactly where it is, but Jesus says, like, don't worry in that that moment when, like, they bring you before the trials of, like, what you're going to say or what you're going to do. But the Spirit will re- reveal it to you in that time. And so that's, like, so comforting to me to think if I ever do walk through persecution, I don't have to figure it out right now. I can trust that the Spirit is strong enough that in the moment that I need words, in the moment that I need courage, in the moment that I need boldness, He's going to supply that for me and work that through me for His glory. Um, and that's just, like, oh, okay. Like, yes, I can, I'm can. i going to read the Word. I'm going to be with my people. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to, like, you know, train for the race, but in the moment that it comes down to it, God is going to do the work through me, and it's not going to be me, um, so yeah, um, I love what you said, Maddie, just like being in community, I think that's so important, um, so yeah, that that is the Beatitudes, we are officially done with the Beatitudes after a very long time of being in them, it was very long, um, but kind of to wrap things up, I wanted to ask you guys um, individually, I guess, I don't know, we can we you can say something if you want or not, but looking at the Beatitudes, which one has like stood out to you the most? Which one did you like the most? Um yeah, which one of the is there seven? Seven Beatitudes? Eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep. Which one of the eight beatitudes did you like the most? This moment which one do you like the most
1: I think um, I don't know they all seem very similar in a way like because they all like say like blessed is this person who doesn't have this thing because then they would be given this
2: thing yeah
1: <laughs> like blessed are those who like hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled that's like a that's like a promise from God that says like if you like hunger for my presence like for, like, righteousness, then you will be filled. Mm. It's a good one? You like that one? one.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I like that one, too. And
2: then
1: between that one and Blessed Are the Meek.
0: Yeah. I really like that one. Yeah. I, I love thinking about what it means to be meek. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked, um, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, I love. Um, I just, I I love that God can see our hearts because we can so easily hide it from each other, but, like, God always can see, like, straight through anything that we put on, like, we can, like we can put on a show and he can see straight through it. Um, and I love and hate that about God because it's like, I can't hide from him, but I also love that about him because that just means I get to be completely transparent with him and not care about, like, anything and... Um, yeah, I think I just love just thinking about he's the one that's going to bring the pure in heart out of me because he can see straight through my not pure in heart. Yeah, any other thoughts? Which ones did you like? Which one do you want to grow in? I
1: think blessed are the merciful. hmm I think that's always
0: something that I can work on, is just being more merciful to people. More, mercy, more merciful, yeah. I want to work on hungering and thirsting for God. Yeah. I think it's so easy to get caught up into just, like, the rhythm of life and, like, forget to actually hunger and thirst after him one thing that a friend said to me that i've started to do is like anytime i'm very hungry or very thirsty i just like whenever i finally eat or drink something i'm like oh this is what it should feel like to like like be with the lord like like that like when you taste like mac and cheese and it's amazing. God created food to satisfy us and to be good. So it would remind us of that the fact that he satisfies us and that he's good. It's just like a reflection, right? And so like training our minds, like even when we drink and eat something, to th- just think, okay, the Lord is like so much better than this. And this is how I feel in the presence of God. That's something that I've like started to do. It's been really nice, but definitely want to keep growing in it. Just like actually hungering and thirsting for him. Any other thoughts? I think um, another one for me. Sorry, I'm talking a lot. Um, Is blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And just knowing that that word mourn means like being grieved over your sin. Sometimes I don't grieve over my sin. I'm not as upset about my sin as I probably should be. And that's something I would like to grow in more, too. Just, like, being aware of, like, like I'm sinning against a holy God, and that should really upset me. Not just be like, oh, God, sorry. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I love the Beatitudes. I love studying them. Um, Sorry it took us seven years to go through them, but now you guys are experts in the Beatitudes, so you're welcome. Um, But God is faithful, and he is good, and the more that we walk with the Lord, the more that these characteristics come out of us, because if we're learning more about Jesus, then we're going to become more like him, and then these things will just show up in our lives. All right, I'll pray for us. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you just for your word and for this time that we have this morning just to get together and to talk about you. And um, Lord, I just pray for all these ladies. God, would you just be with them throughout their weeks? Um, Would you give them a desire to be with you and to know you and to um, shine your light to everyone around them, Lord? And I just pray um, for us, God, would you help us be bold and and just not be afraid of what people think of us and um, of any sort of persecution, Lord, would we just boldly proclaim the gospel and live in the way that you want us to live? Um, Would you help us encourage one another um, and just help us love you even more? Um, Lord, we love you and you know, I pray. Amen.